Hi Tom, hi Steve, ich wünsche euch eine tolle Show. Vielleicht kann ich bald meinen Senf dazugeben. So welcome to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom with them. I'm Steve Piles. And we are Masters of Profundication. We profundicate the Masters. It's what we are for and that's what we do. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And today we're going to be talking about mid-season hiatuses and, and the devil. The devil. Satan himself. I feel like we could have otherwise named it mid-season hiatus is the devil, but we will get into that. Yes. So <laughs> what's the big deal about a mid-season hiatus? It's, I feel like it's something that <laughs> we as a viewing audience are like the battered wife syndrome. We just kind of <laughs> accept it, you know? Yeah. We've just been dealing with it so many years that we just was like, yeah, no, this is it. This is um, this is the way it is. I don't know what I've done to deserve it, but it's here again, and I'm just so, going to have to deal with it. Now that I've offended a lot of people, I, <laughs> I feel like now we can go on. Okay, television is in a rotten cycle, and there is a uh, fall season. Yeah. There's a midwinter season. There's a spring semen season. Did I say semen? <laughs> There's always a spring semen. That's where the trees rape you. We talked about this before. Oh, that's right. That was last week. Yeah, yeah. But the bottom line is that uh, television <laughs> series throughout one year, a season, is broken up in such a way that at one point in time, it probably made sense to somebody, but it doesn't make any sense anymore. So we're going to get into why that <clears throat> is. Back in the olden days when everybody was a farmer and they had to plow the fields. <laughs> Daylight saving time. home to watch TV. You know, they, they harvested the chickens and they came in to watch some honeymooners. That's the well, way it worked. Give me an example of a show that you watch that goes on hiatus and it makes you wish that you had hair to pull out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I could pull out some hair. I could find some hair somewhere else to pull out. Uh, well, I'll tell you my classic example was like when I was a kid. Well, kiddish was Friends. I love that sitcom, Friends. And it's just like every other sitcom in the world where you watch it. It starts around, you know, end of August, early September, usually. Whenever the fall season started. For right, right, right. And you watch it, and you're watching it, you're going good. They'll have a special Thanksgiving episode, or depending on the show, they'll have maybe a special Halloween episode. Like Roseanne was notorious for a special Halloween episode every year. The and then most of them, Simpsons, yes. Yeah. Wow. I really just skipped right past Simpsons and went to, to <laughs> Roseanne. Joss Whedon again. It's been a long day. Uh, so every show has like a at least a nod towards a Christmas episode, and then you're done, right? Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there, and they usually have a little mini finale, what they call the mid-season finale, for anybody that's not familiar with TV. And you're waiting, and you got reruns, and that's the killer. That's what sucks, because they never really... I don't ever remember them announcing it. This is the mid-season finale. This is... Unless you started reading TV Guide ahead of time or something like that, like started getting your news on your TV was that important to you that you had to get it way ahead of time. All of a sudden, next week, you tuned in and it was a rerun. And you're like, huh. And which during the season, every once in a while, they throw a rerun at you for whatever reason. They had to space it out. But then the week after that, it's another rerun. And then another rerun. Then you realize, yeah, we're done. And we're probably done till end of January. That's how long it takes, or middle January the best. Now, maybe it's just because I didn't watch um, serialized television when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was A-Team, Airwolf, uh, <laughs> things like that. And it was a one-and-done episode. The procedurals, right. And I guess 
it being a kid and not having a you know an ability to DVR, it was if you didn't sit down and watch it when it was on, you missed it. So the reruns, I don't think, were as big of a surprise to me as a as a kid. Anyway, I'm sure that there were people that sat on the edge of their seat watching, you know, Hunter or <laughs> Night yes. Night Rider or. But the thing with those shows back in the day mm. was, you know, you'd have an episode that would wrap itself up and be done every single week, and right. I think that the problem with the mid-season hiatus really started to affect stories when they started stitching episodes together into a a huge a broader story and you had plenty of shows that did that dynasty dallas and you know those types of shows that were basically soap operas at night but there's really no basically about it (laughs) they were soap operas at night but true, what I'm saying is, is I didn't notice it as much when I was a kid because there were weeks where I'd miss a, a episode. And so you almost relied on those rerun weeks in the season or the summer season where they would replay everything and, and there was no school the next day and you could stay up late. And so, I mean, that wasn't that big of a deal to me. But now that I've become an adult and am more interested in stories and more interested in serialized television, I th- it's really one of those things that upsets me. <laughs> yeah, you know, you I think you hit something that I hadn't thought about. Even I think serialization has become a bigger thing in the last 20 years, maybe 25 than it ever was before. Like yeah. except unless you were watching those Dallas Dynasty type shows and when you were younger, like I'm younger than you, so I never watched, I never had any interest in that. I loved Knight Rider, I loved Airwolf. And if I watch some sitcoms, so be it. But never, they never had season arcs, you know? Like, right. you'd be hard-pressed to pick out one season from the next aside from their haircuts. That was, like, the only indicator. I uh, I think the closest that I ever came to watching anything like that that had an arc would be Cheers. And Even, that was, I mean, that well, was, I was just thinking still... about that. Even Cheers, because I've been, I, I didn't start watching Cheers till I was... So I was a teenager and it was like, it was past the uh, Diane years. So it was getting towards the last half of its run. And I started rewatching it when I was on Netflix, like a year, maybe a year or two ago. And I noticed, yeah, they had a pretty definite season finale. But other than that, it was just a procedural. It was just a week by week. Whereas if you're watching, like I started with with friends, there was definitely an arc. Every season had an arc. And it was always like, yeah, it's Rachel and Ross going to get together or something like that. But it was always episode by episode could stand by itself, but they would make a reference to their central conflict that year. Yeah, some you know, sort of relationship conflict or... Are we going to have a baby? Is Are we going to get married? Or, you know, are they going to hook up? Or are they going right. to get back together? Whatever the central conflict was that year, it slowly built towards that. And you had a lot of, at the same time, procedural serial hybrids like... Um, like X-Files, like we talked about last week. You know, right. X-Files was the first show that I was really, I got to see what happens next because they had started having those seasonal, seasonal arcs, you know? Right. This one's all about, it's going to build up to Scully gets kidnapped. Is Mulder going to find his sister this time? You know, what's going on with this secret program or this secret alien plot? Whatever the case may be, it was always, you had their standalone episodes, but you had these arcs that you had to watch the finale. Right. Agreed. And these days you get a lot of that seasonal procedural hybrids like um a show that i've been watching for years is supernatural every season has its big bad which is a term that actually got coined i think in buffy 
was who's the big bad this season? The big bad. Every season has its end point. Like, right. You can start off, they give you a hint of what's going to be happening, and then they'll build towards it, and they'll have standalone episodes. But by the finale, you're, you're oh my God, who's she going to fight? What's the stats really plot? This guy just died last episode. How's she going to avenge them? You know, stuff like that. And then sitting around some boardroom table, some stuffy executive was like, you know, we screw them at the end of the year, every single year with some sort of cliffhanger. Is there any way we can fit that in halfway through the season exactly. and make people hate us? Exactly. Because then they gave race the mid-season value, which I think The Walking Dead might be the most notorious about this right now, where they give you a definite cliffhanger right around December. Right. And I think some of that, well, I, I know a lot of that is we need to stay in the news cycle so people are interested and are talking about it. And they, how do we get people to continually talk about our show while right. we're not on the air? Well, let's do something ridiculous. Yeah, it's a short, it's a crutch. It's like a shortcut from quality. All right, we can finally construct a tight narrative that necessitates you being able to watch week by week. Or in the case of like Netflix shows, <laughs> hour by hour, you're going to binge right. watch them. True. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep them with cheap thrills. We're going to drag the narrative out, drag it way out to 20-something episodes. And like we've talked about this, you stopped watching The Walking Dead, but one of the notorious ones was the Glenn die in the dumpster. What, like last season, I think it was? Spoiler alert. Glenn did not die in the dumpster. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. No. And if you Don't were watching dumb. it at the time and you thought he had, you were you were just dumb. <laughs> you were. You said there. <laughs> Everybody called it. Everybody said, no, Glenn's not dead. That other dude's on top of him getting his guts ripped out. It's not actually Glenn. We can all see this coming. But that's what everybody was talking about. Even though everybody, every once in a while, someone's like, we could be dead. You know, Walking Dead. It's like, shut up. He's not dead. Not for the mid-season finale because the mid-season finale is weak. And it is cheap thrills and cheap cliffhangers. It's never a strong ending. Okay. They're saving that for sweeps for the real season finale. I was just going to say, yeah. why is there a mid-season finale? And a mid-season premiere, for that matter. Why is there anything going on in the middle of your season when you're trying to sit down and enjoy your show? The obvious answer is the holidays, right? Like TV yeah. learned. And we're, I, I, we, I want to get to this with, the, with the, what we were talking about before. But right now, this is the reality we deal with is Christmas. Most TV that is widely consumed is created in Western societies, America, Britain, Australia, Canada, something like that, Mm -hmm. where we all celebrate Christmas to some extent. So that means everything comes to a screeching halt for the month of December. All creative content. Nothing new and important comes out in December. You can even say that same with movies. Like, yeah, you'll get your Star Wars dropping at the beginning of December, but studios save their prestige films for like around Christmas, not their big blockbuster films for right around Christmas. Right. Or maybe like right at Christmas when they figured everybody's already seen each other and had their parties, then they can go out and watch a movie. So can you point to why that is? Can you can you give uh honest to goodness reason to why things shut down the way they do when they do? Because it's a pretty specific thing. I think this is um we had discussed this. I think this might be the chicken and the egg type of scenario. Which comes first? Does it everything shut down around Christmas because we expect it to? Like do the studios kowtow to us? saying we're not going to be watching anything you put out there because this is Christmas. We're all going to be worried about vacations and buying gifts and getting together and all that stuff. So we're not going to bother with your your falsities, your your false realities that you want to foist on us. <laughs> okay. You damn peddlers. Um, 
Or do we expect it because that's the way they've done it? Like, have they been doing it so long that we just kind of expect them to shut down at Christmas? I I think the latter. I believe that they, and when I say they, I mean the bean counters, Mm -hmm. have decided on their data and looked at what people are watching when they're watching it. And they they sculpted this landscape of television and when people are going to watch it. And I don't think that has evolved too much since then. I agree. It's actually, you know, probably around some boardroom meeting, somebody said, well, people aren't watching uh, between these dates and people aren't watching between these dates. And then advertising revenue needed to be X. So we need to provide Y. So that's the way it's going to be. And that's the way it's been for a long time Every, for reasons that are so old. Yes. Like my whole life. I, I don't remember a time when everything didn't come to a screeching halt right at Christmas. And then you can even go past that because this is what burns me. You had, Maybe this is a new phenomenon and I didn't realize it. Or maybe it's been around or you know, maybe it's a new phenomenon or maybe it's been around and I didn't realize it. It seems to me that within the last, I'd say within the millennium, what they do is you get your season starting in September, late August, something like that. Go till December, you stop. Come back in mid to late January for, let's call it three weeks, four weeks maybe. And then you stop in mid to late February. And then that's another, like another mini break, another mini season break. And mm-hmm. then you don't come back till mid-April and you ramp up for sweeps week, which is in May. Yep. So it's like they only have enough budget or enough patience or enough sadism to put their actors through <laughs> <laughs> a 22-episode arc for a season. But they well, got to make that stri- season stretch from August to May. They have right. to. So why is sweeps in May? Why do they have to string it way the hell out and because drag it and beat that dead horse all the way till May. So it's all full of, you know, festering wounds and buzzing flies. Because once upon a time, somebody decided that's when everybody's sitting around the TV. But why may is it summer vacation? I, that's the only thing I can think of, right? I don't know. Maybe you'd, you'd think that that would be the time where weather is getting better and people would be more outside. I don't know. I the last lingering traces of, yeah, like, okay, they're going to get cabin fever. We, they've just been sitting around all winter, all fall. So they're going to want to get out and jet ski and <laughs> mountain climb. They don't yeah. know the American public that well anymore. That's the thing. Well, I, and okay, and I'm glad you brought that up because it really boils down to when people are actually watching their TV. And they've, um, I looked at it, the, the Nielsen Holdings Company, the, mm-hmm. the company, the marketing company that's responsible for the data on what we watch. Um, their revenue is, uh, 2015 revenue was $6.2 billion. <laughs> <laughs> so they got something figured out. And, uh, and that seems like they wouldn't have that much overhead either. Well, they employ 44,000 people worldwide. They're not, they're not just American. They're actually, I think they're headquartered in England. They're they're a great they're headquartered in Great Britain, I believe, um, and they employ over forty thousand people worldwide. And it's not they don't just deal with television; they deal with all marketing. Mm-hmm. So if you're, they're going to be the ones in Minority Report that they're scanning your retina and then advertising directly to you. Which I yeah. can't. I cannot wait for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
But we'll talk. We'll talk at great length about advertising <laughs> sometime, and how we wish it were catered to us. Truly catered, like to actually us, but, catered to us. Yeah, right. Um, I want to walk into a store and say, Steve Piles, we have a new porn package for you. <laughs> this is what we we know you're into, and everybody just kind of looks at me. And I'm like, what? Don't you judge me? You know you're into it too. <laughs> or they dabble into your medical records, and you walk in the door, and they say, oh, hemorrhoid cream is. <laughs> In the third <laughs> row, but um, or some woman walks in. Congratulations on your upcoming child. She didn't realize she was pregnant because that's one of those algorithm yeah. things. Yeah, that'd be great. Ugh. but um, anyway, the uh, the Nielsen's just made a deal with AT and T, who owns Directv, to collect anonymous data from cable boxes from the satellite boxes. Directv, right, 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 and so I. It's people are watching TV differently now. They're DVRing it and watching it when they want to watch it. But guess what? Your cable box knows when you're watching that. So if we, <laughs> it knows if, when you've been naughty <laughs> and nice. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> but say for example, we DVR uh, the Good Wife, okay? And we haven't watched for one reason or another. The cable box is sending information back to the Nielsen Holdings Company, that we save up three episodes at a time. We skip three weeks, and we watch, we binge watch three at a time. Right. They're, they're taking that data, they're combining it with other people's data, and they're figuring out how we're watching TV. My question is, is why has that not fixed the problem with mid-season hiatuses? And I, I, maybe it's just that the show writers are just so entrenched in the way they do things. I, if I had to guess, yes. I mean... My thing now is I almost have completely stopped watching network television. I mean, there are a handful of things that I still feel like I want to watch on network television, but I know I'm an outlier, right? So the big network entities like ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, to some extent, you know, the CW and all those things, they are still giants. Like you got your Amazons and Netflixes and Hulus chipping away at it, but they are still the giants and they still have that. Hear me, but you... Did you just freeze up? It freezes up, yeah, a little bit. Did you not? Like, all that was gone after you said giants. Froze right up. Okay, well, okay. <clears throat> We're going to have to edit the crap out of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, the big networks, the, they're giants. ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, all those guys. And they're calcified, right? So, they, they've been doing things, well, maybe not so much Fox, but the other ones have been doing things for 50 years, 60 years, whatever. It's been 60 years? Yeah, a good 60 years. So, that's what the, the way they've been doing things. And they still pull the lion's share of advertising in. They mm-hmm. still put the lion's share of content out. So, they still get to call the shots. And they're probably still run by people like, this is the formula. We can't mess with the formula. Right. Like a delicate balance that is, if they start to stray, like, for example, uh, reality TV. And I know that you have a lot of disdain for reality TV, but it only took... I don't know what you gave me that idea. (laughs) It, it, It took one of them to really take that leap and under or realize that the low production cost plus the rabid fan base i mean you've got gold there yeah right and so once one did it look you cannot turn on that turn on a network television station 
without having maybe even one per night reality TV show. Oh, yeah, and especially in the summer when it's all all the scripted programming is on reruns. Right. Or so, they throw the dregs at the summer too sometimes, but still. I think <clears throat> uh, that it might take one of the big ones. I, I get what you're saying about them. They're the ones that are going to have to change the landscape because uh, stars, Showtime, Netflix, mm-hmm. Uh, HBO, all these cable TV programs have a completely different formula. I mean, I, I take that back. It's not a completely different formula, but for the most part, they're doing things differently and they're winning all the awards. Yeah. They're, they're winning all the Emmys. They're killing it. And they have all the buzz, like for every handful of shows on a, on a, on a network. And I'm talking straight up network because FX or AMC, some of these, you know, basic cable networks, are doing pretty good too, but the I just have a digital antenna and this is all I can get. Networks, they're not when nobody's got the buzz on those shows. Nobody cares about like for every show like the blacklist that I heard maybe a couple of people talk about and then it disappeared. Mm-hmm. There's got to be twenty that you never even hear. Like I, I, if I sat down on a typical, if I took a week and I just turned it to ABC and I just watched all the program from eight to ten, you know, the primetime stuff. Yep, I would probably not recognize ninety percent of it. Because yeah. I just don't care about it. I don't know about it. I haven't heard about it. And to be perfectly honest, you probably wouldn't get hooked on it either. You, yeah. You, you probably wouldn't find anything that interests you. So who's watching these shows? Old people. Old <laughs> der people. I, it's slowly getting to the point where I can't just blithely say old people. But Well, I, I'll tell you uh, a little story. And it has to do with a show that is beloved by many, but not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, NCIS. Okay. No, and for anybody that's listening that knows me, I'm sorry. I do not like that show either. I cannot stand that show. However, uh, the job that we do, one of these shifts mm-hmm. that I worked, I had to be up at the hospital with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there. And for about six or seven hours, I watched an NCIS marathon because that's what the patient wanted to watch. <laughs> and yeah. I hated every second I sat there and watched that stupid show. But you walk down the hall of the hospital, every mm-hmm. single one of those TVs is turned to NCIS because or something it's easy. stupid like that. It's oh. procedural and it's easy. Yes, NCIS, C- CSI, which I have my own issues with <laughs> <laughs> for, and for some real reasons. But all those different CSIs, the, the law and orders, all those cop procedurals are they're week by week, set them and forget them, walk away, and you don't care. It's very like I have no I have no guilt going and shitting on reality TV. But what I'm about to say, I kind of feel guilty. Like I feel like I've thrown a false face up for a lot of people. But I don't understand how many so many people I know and like love these procedural shows. Yeah, they just I seem get like it. kind of they're not brainless like reality TV, but there's there's a certain level of brainlessness to them where you don't have to be invested in them. You don't have to think about them. You don't have to wonder what's going on, how it connects to the how it's going to connect to the next episode or did connect to the episode ahead of it. You just watch it. You know they're gonna get the bad guy. Maybe once in a while to kill off a main character. Even then, it's not going to be that momentous an event. It might have a two-parter every once in a while. Maybe once in a blue moon, they have a crossover with one of their other shows. But for the most part, you know, you can flip the TV on, have it on the background, and you're not going to miss much if you don't pay attention. Which is perfect for hospitals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if you just got a blow to the head, you're going to love you some NCIS. 
<laughs> if you're if you just got that lobotomy done. <laughs> Holy crap, uh, do we sound elitist? I don't care. I don't care. No, I don't care. I am going to come out of the closet as an elitist when it comes to TV. Well, I I watched the first season of CSI and I was all in. I actually loved the first season of CSI. Uh, when it was all over, uh, that, uh, what else can you do? Yeah. What else can you do? You got to blow me away with something <clears throat> if you're going to come back for a second season, which we'll talk about that. The fact that television in multiple seasons is should go the way of the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I think that it's a possibility that that's where some of these numbers are coming from is all these TVs that are tuned to mind numbing. I, I guarantee you go into a nursing home, you go into, you know, any of these places. And if they're collecting data on any of it, there's, they're, they're probably thinking, Oh my God, numbers are through the roof. People are watching. <laughs> I like crazy. They can't get enough of it. Every TV you know, in every old folks home is turned to it. We got to keep it. Meanwhile, yeah. people yeah. Fought fast asleep sitting there with their feet up watching or watching the inside of their eyelids. But their TV is tuned to, you know, CSI Miami or something. Well, think about it this way. What's the home for most of these cop procedurals? CBS, right? The CBS is the runner for NCIS, CSI. Uh, I would say that C- uh, CBS is probably maybe the number one channel for those procedurals, but they're certainly not exclusive to them. Not exclusive, but that seems to be almost, except for maybe a couple of the sitcoms, that's CBS's game plan is procedurals. And traditionally, I know it's kind of, you know, varied a little bit, but traditionally CBS is the old folks network. Like when I was younger, I can't even remember watching anything on CBS because CBS was just full of shows that old people like to watch. Family Ties. Was that on CBS? Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, I don't mean that young. <laughs> I mean mid nineties when I was a teenager. So, um, yeah, I, or early nineties when I was a teenager. Even uh, here's here's something, and this says a lot. Um, I'm actually quite fond of it. Really, um, <clears throat> during football season, mm-hmm. uh, my Patriots play on CBS, and they have these bumper commercials when they come back from their regular commercials it's usually a commercial for a show but it's not really a commercial it's kind of like a maybe a graphic and they put it up and then the announcers will talk about the show i'm actually really fond of that i get you know like i have really good memories with watching football and things along those lines so i'm i like that when they come back from commercial they say you know tune in uh the big bang theory x y and z where they talk a little bit about the episode so i have a fondness for that but i also hold a lot of disdain for these shows (laughs) the the same shows they're talking but that's that's the way it goes i mean it's the same on fox it's the same on any of these networks that play football or anything like that but if you look at it that's like they need people to tune in but i want to say that every single year every single week they rattle off five shows and they're like number one in comedy, number one in drama, number one in, you know, ex- everything. They're just like the number one network because of this and the other thing. And so, well, I mean, that's, I don't know. that's explainable just for pure. I'm going to use my uh, my degree on this next part. That is called classical conditioning, my friend. Pavlovian conditioning yep. where something you like is paired with something else. Mm hmm. So that you see that and it gives you a little little dopamine dump, you know, like a little rush of, hey, that's cool. But I'm I'm probably the exception because I don't care about those shows at all. I no, no, like- no. I'm just saying you're watching football, which you like. 
you enjoy yes. watching football. Yep. And then that little blurb comes up, like that maybe like a little picture in the corner of one of the cast members or something, and then the announcer says, "Hey, tune in next for." you know, the good wife or the big bang theory or whatever the case may be. And that's it. That's all you like because it's paired, definitely completely paired with something you like. Mm-hmm. But once you get rid of the football, you don't give a rat's ass. Right. You know, you don't care about the show itself. There's no content that you care about. It's just that little visual audio cue is paired with something you like. So you enjoy that visual audio cue when it happens. It's but for every package, every guy like me, there's another person that's sitting there that's like, oh my God, I, I got to see what happens on that. Oh my goodness, they've made it so enticing. Well, some people aren't fully as evolved as other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I just used evolved in the wrong way, too, and I apologize to any science nerds out there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. So, to get back on track, let's talk about the hiatus. Let's talk about how they will water down content or just put out their not best content and save it for the midseason uh, hiatus. The mid-season finale, the mid-season. So there are these shows, much like The Walking Dead, that I'm sure this is offensive to some people out there, but I don't like that show, and I think that it's trash, and I think that they... (laughs) This is confession time, man. (laughs) They're lazy storytelling. The effects are terrible. The details are something that just shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, But anyway... They save their big moments for those midseason finales and midseason premieres. How many people wanted to know whose head was going to get bashed in? You know, the first episode of the midseason break. It's just I I find that type of television to I hate it. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. And I'm I'm beginning to join you on this one. Like I have said before, I still enjoy The Walking Dead. But it's more like, it's like um, another psychological, geez, I'm going to really apply this today. Another <laughs> psychological um, principle is the, called intermittent reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you have, you know, rats in a maze or pigeons poking at a pellet or something like that, and it comes on a definite predictable schedule, that the action you do to get that reward is not that enforced. Because you just know every five minutes I got to hit this pellet, this button to get a pellet, a food pellet. Same thing with TV. If you knew exactly when the cliffhangers were coming, it wouldn't be that enforced. But if you you get them doled out in little bits, like, oh, this big, huge thing happened this episode. I didn't see it coming. Oh, that, that craziness happened that episode. I didn't see it coming. You, you, you get latched onto it. So the fact that a TV show will have a definite arc, a definite like mid-season hiatus, a mid-post-season hiatus, then the sweeps does water it down it does it does say like all right i know that i'm watching the walking dead and we're coming up on mid-season finale so if i look at you know these days look at the internet and i know next week's the last episode i know there's going to do something crazy all right and you're waiting for it and sure enough something crazy happens right and then you come back and you're like all right i'm gonna watch it now it's coming towards may some cliffhanger season finale is coming to happen cool whereas you watch something like I don't know, Daredevil on Netflix, where it's all boom, a la carte. All, all episodes are right there. You know, there's 10 episodes. You don't know when a big, you know, a plot twist is going to happen. Yeah, that's they could, a good point. They can't, they're not going to, even even binge watching, they know they're not going to keep your attention by just having a planned step-by-step thing. They're going to have to throw some plot twist, some craziness in there in the middle. Like, 
the, the, the end of the first episode, the three episodes in, there's going to be a major character death. There's, you know, five episodes in that's going to change whatever you thought was going to happen. You know, it's going it's, it's completely off the rails and it's something new. They got to do that. And you don't see it coming because it's just, it's a 10 episode block. Holy crap. Like, look at, we just got done watching Westworld not that long ago. How many right. moments in there were the, oh my God moments that we just, you didn't expect, you know, this is episode six. Well, I didn't expect, spoiler alert. Bernard <laughs> to be a goddamn robot at this point in the game, you know? Yeah. And he just totally killed Teresa. Oh, oh my God. I didn't see that coming at all. That's crazy. That's the moments you live for. That's why you watch TV. Right. But they and- doled out on a strict schedule. It is watered down. It is predictable. It is much less of an impact. And that's scientific. I'm telling you. Science, bitch. Eat it. <laughs> well, okay. So we have network television. It's usually 22, 24 episodes. Um, so you know you're not you're going to get some seriously watered down content, right. whether it's lack of budget, whether it's you have um, locations that you have to film at that aren't av- available all the time, or it's usually budget. <clears throat> usually it's that or availability of an actor or something, because from what I was reading, it takes, for most of these shows, it takes about a week to film um an episode so they get you know they get into the swing of things they're filming they're filming they're filming and it just works out that you can only do 22 24 episodes so you've got that (laughs) then you have on the other end of the spectrum you have the netflixes that are putting out 10 12 15 whatever it is episodes all at once so you have these people like me who conceivably say, uh, I'm going to wait until three seasons are out before I even start because there's only going to be 10 episodes and it's just going to whet my appetite and I'm just going to be hungry for more. But then right in the middle of the spectrum, you have these bastards. <laughs> uh, I say bastards, but they're more beloved, I guess, than any of them. You have the Westworlds and the Game of Thrones that are coming out one week at a time. They're only coming out in 10 episodes, and then you got to sit your happy ass down and wait for the yeah. next season, which could be a year or more. So what is, in your opinion, the best way to do it? Because there's there's three ways right there. There are three options. Yeah. Who's doing I, it the best? I feel like depends on what type of show you're making. Basically, okay, I'll say this right off the bat. The, the traditional, I think anybody listening now has gleaned our our tastes and our psyches here. We both have the opinion that the traditional starting the fall, end in May, mid-season hiatus sucks and needs to go the way of the dinosaur. Yes. So throwing that out, I believe that you get the two options, the straight runs, but week by week, like your Westworlds or your Netflix dumps, like your, you know, your Daredevils, your Orange and New Black, uh, House of Cards, whatever the case may be. I think they both work. It depends on what type of show you're making. So if you're making a Westworld where you're building a mystery, like Westworld, and I know there's better examples probably, Westworld was another Lost where, and I, 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 throw, this in, I throw a lot of shows in the Lost mold where you have episode by episode is another mystery, another mystery, but there's no wasted episodes. Every episode inches it forward towards the finale. Yeah. And then besides the fact that there's layers and mysteries and what does this mean? What does this throwaway line mean? What does this one 
look that this guy made towards the camera at this one instance does that have some significance down the road you know like in westworld like spoiler alert but everybody <laughs> figured this out ahead of time was how the two williams like the one part was happening in the past one part was happening in the present there was hints you know the, the logos changed and the the state of the station they were in stuff like that there were hints just a few throwaway lines that if you really examined it revealed something that works better I say on a week by week basis. I agree. Be- time to digest. And if you're really into the mystery, you can look at theories. I feel like somebody that's going to binge watch Westworld is going to miss out on so much of the right. beauty of it. And I think part of that is if you have uh, like minded people that are watching it. I know that you and I enjoyed throughout the week talking yeah. about the next episode and what's going to happen and the previous episode and what we've seen and what theories play into what theories play into what theories. And even shows that aren't steeped in the mystery. Like we did the same with breaking bad, right? Yeah. Well, I, and it I, was I the same format. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once, a, once you caught up and joined the rest of us, um, it was, it, it wasn't like one of those mystery you had to peel back the layers to see what this meant and what that meant, but it was one that was better viewed week by week because you could digest it and you could talk about it. And it definitely was of the same mold where every episode moved it forward a little bit towards the finale. Yeah. Towards the finale. Not, there's no wasted episodes. Agreed. But if you get a movie, a movie, a TV show like, um, like I said before, like Daredevil, that's just action. You know, the, the, all those Marvel shows on Netflix, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, they're, it's action. It's fun. It's cool to watch. But there's really not a whole hell of a lot you need to do to unpackage it and digest it and ruminate and percolate and all that good stuff. You can just keep watching it. And it's almost like a big, giant, extended movie. Right. That works as a binge. That works really well as a binge. So let's put the puzzle together. Okay. What's what's the common denominator between the Netflix, Hulu, uh, Stars, HBO type? Well, let me back. I'll I'll back that up a little bit. You got your Netflix, your Hulu, and they're dumping out ten episode seasons. Okay, that's yeah. a good way to do things. Then you've got your Stars, your HBOs, that are putting out the same amount of episodes, but they're doing it week by week, which is another good way to do it. Again. Like you said, it depends on the content. What's the common denominator here? <laughs> Adult Censor- programming. <laughs> Censorship. Yes. Uh, I think, <laughs> one, we can both agree that censorship is... Bullshit. 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 Uh, but um, I, I think that the lack of censorship, okay, and the amount of war, the awards that are being won now, Emmys and... Golden Globes and the types of awards that these networks or whatever you want to call them, they're hanging their hat on these things. They're attracting more creative people. Yeah. And they're attracting more types of shows that people want to watch. And you might have that diamond in the rough on NBC that is going to captivate an audience that you're going to kind of get, get your hooks in. And like, uh, this is us is one of them right now. I don't know if you've heard about it at all. See, no, I've heard the name and I couldn't tell you another thing about it. It is, okay, it's the equivalent of Westworld on NBC. And I'm not saying characters and story and all that. It's not a copycat. But it is a show that they have admittedly told you you're watching the past and you're watching the present. And the mystery from week to week is you watch something in the past Mm-hmm. And then that you watch something in the present, 
I did I say future before because it's not the future. You he said watch, no, you said past and present. You watch something in the past, and then you watch something in the present, and some those two things that you just watched are so different that you you have to know how did they get from point A to point C? Like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it, Where is B? What happened? So as the season progresses, you're catching up to point B. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So A, I keep using the alphabet, but <laughs> there's uh, a reason for that. <laughs> there is, but this this is the series that would be so good on a Netflix or so good on an HBO. But and I'm I just I want to add this is also the type of show that would be perfect wrapped up in one goddamn season. Okay. Because <laughs> you know that they're already greenlit because it's the, probably the most popular show on network television right now. And so, you know, that there's going to be a huge reveal at the end of the season and you know, they've been greenlit for a second season. So how are you going to make that transition? That like, unless you've got those writers on staff, that are going to be able to carry the whole audience over to a season mm-hmm. two, you're just going to ruin it. You're going to totally and completely sink the battleship. But yep. what I'm, what I'm getting at is that show would be fantastic on HBO on a done just like Westworld week by week by week, maybe even give it 22 episodes and then shut the motherfucker down. So it's a it's a concept that's great that's wasted on networks. I it's almost uh, like a yeah. tragedy then. It is. I I feel like networks at this point might be the only use they have is where a good creative person can cut their teeth. Yeah. Like this is where they like and I know the networks themselves would think of themselves as the big leagues, but that's just not the case anymore. This is where your nascent writers would come in and find their footing and develop a good idea a, a, a style look at it this way we both have a soft spot for the x-files right yep. Yep. but that was especially in its later seasons it fell victim to the network mentality it just dragged on too long right should have been shut down yep give, give yep. me a series finale and i'll be happy and walk out yeah it should have been it should have been like four maybe five seasons done but look what happened vince gilligan cut his teeth on it one went away from it and what did he make breaking, breaking bad. bad yeah yeah, I I think that if you're not going to crank out uh, like a 30 Rock or The Office or any of these half-hour comedy shows, if you're not going to do that, if you're going to do something else, you're, you're way better off going to Netflix or HBO. Or, you might I mean, get, they might throw more money at you at the networks. They, I could fully admit that. But if you want to make a name for yourself and make a long-standing, long-lasting career, take your good ideas to your HBOs and your Netflix your Amazons, your Showtimes, whatever. Right, because they're... FX or like AMC. Right, and that's and that's another good point to make about censorship is FX and AMC still have their hands tied a little bit. But... I, call, I call FX and AMC the side boob networks. You're going <laughs> to get most yeah. of everything, but you're not yeah. going to get it all. We'll show you a side boob, but... Uh... Right. A little coin slot network there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it, but... Uh... Yeah, so I think that we've come to uh, an agreement that the mid-season hiatus is should go by. Bye-bye. I I want to before we move on or before we wrap it up or anything. I want I want to if you think of classic TV, I know this isn't like the first thing, but I always think of the honeymooners, right? Yeah. So I looked up the honeymooners original schedule for airtimes. Okay. And I think it's kind of telling about how 
what their priorities were and what they were thinking. So the first season of the Honeymooners was 39 episodes. Wow. Can you imagine that today? Yeah, that's crazy. Definitely got tweaked. And this was 1955. So episode one of the Honeymooners original air date was October 1, 1955. Oh, well there. that October. That, so that already throws it out, the traditional formula out the window. Yeah. Well, you're skipping a whole month there. Yeah. I mean, maybe even a month. Like so, like I said, some, some of them start in August. Right. So at least a month, if not a month and a couple of weeks. So you got October and then it kind of hit every week, October 1, 8, 15, 22, goes into November, goes up to November 26. Now that's pretty close to Thanksgiving, but it skips. No, no. Yeah. November 26. A lot of places will skip like a couple of weeks at Thanksgiving. A lot of shows will. Yeah. And then jump right back in for like, actually a lot of shows, that's when their mid-season hiatus is, is the end of November. Like once Thanksgiving hits, they're done until January or yeah later but this one went november 26th right into december 3rd december 10th december 24th they had an episode yeah good for them december 31st they had an episode well there you go <laughs> and Screw then it kept you. on going january 7th january 14th kept on going through february march april week by week by week by week may june was wow. episode june 2nd was episode 36 and then episode 37 was September 8th. <laughs> so they probably petered out. They probably said, we need a break. Jackie Gleason was probably going to kill a motherfucker. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you a right. break. Yeah. So Take yeah. Take the summer off. Come back. Yeah. So they got they got most of June, July, and August off. Came back September 8th, 15, 22, and that was the end of the first season. But that that's telling right there that at the dawn of TV, they didn't know what they were doing. And they just, just powered through the entire year, week by week. Yep. No mid-season. No time off for holidays. I don't know if they felt like people didn't give a bunch of rats. That's why Christmas that far back. Maybe Christmas wasn't that gigantic. A ho- I mean, I don't know. Well, I'd have to talk to my grandparents to find out for sure. But maybe I it would, wasn't so commercial, so it wasn't so huge. I don't know. Oh, like, I'm sure it was pretty pretty commercialized. But I'll I'll say well, one thing. I just want to say, think about this. Every year, people pitch about the same thing. The Christmas season's starting earlier. I mean, I remember being a kid and Christmas season started like halfway through december now it's the second after thanksgiving now it's or now it's on thanksgiving you know so back in 1955 you know maybe well, christmas was january 20th and that was that was it you know or january, i will say december that there's 20th. one thing that is probably a factor to some degree and that would be that tv was brand spanking new and right people were lapping up everything they possibly could you know like we're going to sit down, we're going to watch this TV show because we're going to laugh our asses off. <laughs> we have no way of watching it later, so we have to watch it now. And we want it now. Like, we wish we had five episodes to watch right now because it is that goddamn funny. <laughs> so I would say that to some degree, it's it was a supply and demand. You know, these people were, you know, demanding it. And they were like, well, hell, if they want it, let's give it to them. Can you just picture Christmas Eve? Somebody's mom says, hey, we're going to go out caroling to the neighbors. Bullshit. Mom, Ralph is going to punch Alice. I need to watch. Right that to was the brand moon. new to them. That was like, what? Yeah. You always carol. You need to do what? Yeah. It's on right now. Shut up. <laughs> I will punch you. And that was where TV violence started. Right yeah, there. that's right. Blame the TV. Um, so that's interesting. That's a fun <laughs> little factoid. Um and I'm sure there were actors and 
production companies, there were cameramen, there were writers, there were all these factors that went into them saying, hey, you know what? Let's take a break. Let's right. uh, let's not make as many. It's too difficult. You mean we have to fly to Hawaii to get this shot? Okay, well, this is going to take us a little bit more time than you thought. Right, right, and right. So you probably got more into shaping the way we watch it by the sheer difficulty it was to produce an episode. And then you have the bean counters saying, well, people aren't tuning in on this day. They're not tuning in on this day, but they are watching. Like nobody's watching this day. However, everybody's watching on this day. So let's start tailoring yada, yada, yada. And the next thing you know, we are watching TV the same way they've been watching for 30 years, simply because that's the way they did it 30 years ago. And it's, it's got to change. That bubble has to burst. It has to. I, I can't I, I can't imagine it not with all these HBOs and stars and all these other companies just just trouncing the networks in the awards shows. I feel like the bubble's going to burst when it comes to the point that one of the big four networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox, with one of them lags so far behind the ratings and the buzz and the awards and all that stuff that the quality drops so much that they feel like they have nothing to lose. They're going to give up their traditional format and just go a la carte. They're going to throw everything on, you know, cbs.com. Just pull it up and stream it live whenever you want. And everything's going to be that way. Yeah. Like everything's going to be on that one network. Everything there's like, screw it. We're not going to have at eight o'clock, the big bang theory's on at eight 30. This one's on at nine o'clock. They're going to screw it. They're going to say, this is what we have to offer you at this point. Watch it when you will. And they will abandon their traditional formula because they really have nothing to lose at that point. And then they will succeed better, better than they thought they were going to. And the other ones will pay attention. So, you know what? Writing's on the wall. It is what it is. Let's do it. And that'll be the death of the regular season. Yeah. And it'll be all a la carte. And it'll be all spoiled for choice and the paradox of choice and all that good stuff. <laughs> well, before we go, I have two things that I want to mention. Okay. The first is uh, the British and how they do things. Especially yeah, we the, didn't talk about that. Yeah, yeah. The Christmas episode. The Christmas episode. Just real quick, a rundown. Uh, British television traditionally has a uh, an episode specifically for cr- the Christmas day yeah. sometimes in some cases and the show that they're playing might not necessarily fit into the regular storyline it's a special episode and a lot of british television shows do it what say you i I always wonder about this because I speak personally. I don't watch the BBC. I watch certain shows from the BBC that will make their way to America. Like I'm not saying they're like tuning into BBC America or anything like that. So I don't know if we're just getting the ones that have the Christmas episode. And there's if you were actually living in you know England and you're watching just all the TV, you'd be like, oh yeah, a couple of them have a Christmas episode. But I don't know what you're talking about. Like I don't know if that's a thing that we're just seeing through a weird lens. Well, it is. Um... It is a specific thing to Great Britain, and it is a lot of shows. I can't say that all shows over there do it. But um, it is almost every show that makes its way to America. If you're watching Sherlock or Downton Abbey or even Doctor Who, day, I'll, I'll say yes. I never actually watched Doctor Who. Um, the Office, the, the original two seasons The Office, you have the two seasons and the Christmas episode, which right. is actually the real finale of The Office was the Christmas episode. Right. So I find that... Which I find that to cool. be fascinating. I, I, it's fascinating to me that they do that. 
like they are confident enough that they will have an audience that they will throw up an episode on Christmas, whereas an American uh, broadcaster would never in a million years do that. Right. I can't ever think. I can't think of one example of an American Spawn TV show that threw up an episode on Christmas. Right. And for the most part, on American television, you're going to get the Christmas episode on Thanksgiving, or <laughs> yeah, first, right, first week of December. You're not going to yeah. get it if it, if it limps along past Christmas. Thanksgiving. You might get that one December third or something like that. You might get that one episode. You know. Right. Right. I mean, because that's just the way it is. I mean, even now, The Simpsons will do their Halloween episode way after Halloween. Right. Because they just. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's not a real thing. Right. Well, they they probably know that most people are going to DVR it anyway and watch it right. later anyway. And so, anyway, there's that. And I wanted to ask, uh, since we've just skewered it, what is if you were running your own network and you had say uh, a couple of Game of Thrones caliber shows? Let's just say that you had a show that was on point with Game of Thrones. What would be how would you put that on the air? What would be your what would be your best scenario for television? Uh, let's see. Well, I think like I said before, I think I would just I pay attention to what type of show I had and then I would choose. Like I would I would try to make a hybrid network. I would. I would try to make okay, this is one that <laughs> be very paternalistic i would tell my audience i know it's best for you <laughs> so i'm going to dole this one out week by week but this one i think you're going to enjoy in big long spurts and then right. the ones that are kind of the brainless sex and violence you know if i had a, if i had a show like um spartacus i don't know if you ever watched spartacus this is on Stars. i know what it is but i never watched it no. it was all blood and tits it was great i would just throw that one out in, in the alley in the in the chunk because yeah. just Roll it all out there, but the Westworld Game of Thrones types, I'd be like, you know, trust me, you can't. You, like an artist, if I was an artist and I had said, and I want to do some kind of really crazy display and said, okay, you're never going to appreciate it unless you do this. You got to walk in this room and turn to the left. Then you can take two steps forward, turn to the right, and view this mosaic over here. But then you can put these headphones on, and while you're watching this wall, you're going to turn the corner and see this. Like if, if I could set it up that it way. Up. Right. And, you, and I know ahead of time that the effect's going to be gained if you do all these steps. And I'll say, trust me, this is the way I planned it. So you might want to take it all in at once or wander around yourself in a random fashion, but you're not going to get the full effect. I'm the creator. Trust me on this. You need to watch this week by week. But I would also throw up, no pun intended, the <laughs> heavy gore <laughs> and big explosion yeah. shows. So um, a hybrid. I would do a hybrid network. I wouldn't do a network where everything was either week by week or everything was either all at once. Right. I would. That would. Somebody should do that. Yeah. So we've talked about it actually at length, but um, I am under, well, I like when a TV shows, when a TV show knows it's time to go. Okay. Yes. I cannot stand a TV show that drags itself out for the sake of dragging itself out. Um, so that being said, with all the shows that have been on TV and are currently on TV with the length of season, um, with all things judged the same content wise, who's doing it best. What hmm. is the best bang for your buck? Now I'll give you a couple of examples. Sherlock three hour and a half episodes make up a season, right? I personally Game, love that. I so, do too. Yeah. Game of Thrones puts out 10 hour long seasons. Um, episodes uh agents of shield <laughs> puts out 22 episodes that's a network 
He's a network anchor. So giving the, you know, just not judging the content for being a good show, but for, like, who's using it best? Frankly, the, I want to say the, the, the Sherlock. The I, I I was so amazed when I discovered that show about the three. Like, I watched them. I watched every episode. And I guess I just didn't realize that was a season. And I remember looking for the next episode. I was like, oh, that was it. Then I started thinking, it's like, but that makes sense. It did come to a satisfying conclusion with a bit of a cliffhanger. But I felt like I got, I, in just three episodes, technically three episodes, I've gotten to know the characters. I've known the world that they built. I, I get the gimmicks and the hooks and all that stuff. And every story was given full due. Like there was nothing, it was not dragged out, but there was, <clears throat> everything was explored and it was in-depth and it was refined and I loved it. Having said that, I have not watched the newest season yet. Right, and it could have fallen off the rails. And I guess and it might have. And it might have fallen. I don't know for sure. Part I two of that is sure. you don't want it to go on too long. And I'm a huge fan. Maybe it's just because Firefly was yanked out from under me, and now I'm just jaded. But <laughs> I feel like it, when it's time to go, it's time to go, and you shouldn't take a series and just sink it because your fans want it or. I'm trying to think of an example of a show that ended at the right time because it was just time to go. I'm Breaking Bad, Breaking I Bad. guess. Yeah. Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad like was the pinnacle. Only thing I can think of where they said I, well, that went five seasons, correct? Uh was it five? It feels it feels like was it the last the split season? Was that the fifth season? I'm trying to remember. I think I think it was the fifth season and they split so it, the fifth it, season. It felt in like half. six, but it was technically five. Yeah. Like if you did binge watch it, you'd be watching five seasons. Yeah, and part of that was the break that they took in the middle of the fifth right. season. Right, so. year-long break. <sighs> season hiatus and the devil. <laughs> but I, I think that if you've got to wring all the water out of this dish rag, you know, Breaking Bad's the one that did it. They got every drop out, and they said, all right, we're done. Unlike the X-Files, like you said, could have gone five seasons and gotten everything across that they wanted to well i'll give you my example the one i keep coming back to and i've talked to you about this before and i don't think you watch it but supernatural it's not gonna be it's not gonna win any emmys but it was a good show maybe even a great show um it's first five seasons so i think that might be the the optimum number is five and it had a natural ending a natural satisfying good ending to the entire series but and I, i feel like the creators planned it that way they planned five seasons they had a very cohesive story very definite endpoint, a very <clears throat> poignant metaphor that they established and built slowly that came to a head in season five and it had a really good natural ending point. But by that point, they were actually making ratings. I think it was like the CW's best rated show at that point. And the last two seconds of that, of the season finale of season five, completely blew it out of the water and sunk that entire ship. And then by a line that a character reads or what? what Just basically a character is standing there and it ruins the entire effect. Uh, That's all it is. There's a character standing there, completely ruins five seasons of buildup right there. (laughs) That sucks. And that's if you watch the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then it's been limping along for another, I think it's on season 12 now. So so more than twice what it should have gone. Wow. Yeah. That's so incredible. Thinks about starting Supernatural, by all means do it. I highly recommend it. Watch it through season five, and then you'll know when the natural ending point is and just turn it off and then call it good. Much like uh, I never watch the show, but I hear it all the time. Same thing that should have happened with Dexter. Oh, God, yeah. Dexter limped along for at least three, if not four seasons at the end. Like when his 
I'll just say when his wife dies. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, retroactive spoiler alert. I'm sorry. If you don't know by now, I feel if you had an interest in watching Dexter and you haven't, then you're not gonna. But <laughs> it, but his wife dies, and that's everybody agrees that was where it should have ended. Yep. Then it limped along after that and just became that the way it did end it was ridiculous. It was one of those ending that was bad enough that makes you regret ever starting to watch it. Like Battlestar Galactica. Or oh, God. Battlestar Galactica should have gone two seasons and said, we're done. Done. Yeah, two seasons. Exactly. That was that was its natural. I'm not gonna say natural ending point, but that was its shelf life. Was two seasons on that one. Absolutely, it became such a jumble, pseudo religious mess by the end. I was just like that. I I almost did regret starting Battlestar Galactica. And Heroes was the same thing. Oh God, Heroes. Yeah, that that was one season. Should have been one season and done. Should have been one season. Well, it could have been two seasons if they had done I, it right. Yeah, if they had done it right. Like I think they had enough creativity. All of the the ending of the first season was disappointing it wasn't a tragedy so i feel like they had enough creativity in them to make it strong but the right. writers strike like just destroyed the momentum and then they just couldn't get it back and there there you go hmm. all right well i think that we've we've done this topic justice do you have a tribute question i do would you like me to go first sure you go first okay there are five animated feature movies that have grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. Collectively? Or nope. each? Each. Oh, okay. A billion dollars worldwide. Five animated feature films. All right. Can you name two of them? I'm going to say Frozen. Frozen is number one. Yep. Toy Story 3. Yeah. Right on. Boom. Very wait, wait. Good. Let me see if I can name a third just for extra credit. Um, okay. Um, okay. I've probably been off more like a two because now nothing's okay. Well, let me uh, let me throw this at you. Frozen is the number one, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about why it did so well because it was a fantastic movie. I know you haven't seen it, right? No, I actually did see it. Oh, you did, which is weird because I don't have kids, but I feel like it's one of those things that's so pervasive in the pop culture that I feel like I need to be okay. So, so, so now you know what the number one movie is. Yeah, right. That's that's the, the number two movie. If you can come up with the number two movie. I will give you what what it grossed worldwide. The number as two long as, movie. As long as you don't Google it. And that should say something. That should tell you that it is probably one of the most unbelievable things that this movie is the second highest grossing movie animated feature worldwide. Uh, what was that one with the emotions? Inside Out or something like that? That was the emotions. Yes, that was... But that's not it then. That's not it, no. Okay. Um, I don't know. Zootopia? That was fifth, actually. Fifth. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I did get give... three of the five. Awesome. <laughs> you did get three of the five. Yeah. I got the extra credit. Extra credit. However, the second highest grossing animated feature is Minions. Okay. <laughs> you know what that I'm talking something. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't speak English, so it's actually very relatable to a worldwide audience. It's a spinoff movie? No, that's true. And it, I watched it. It's, it's a DreamWorks movie. I mean, they're all good, but... Yeah. Uh wow, it's really not that good of a movie. I never watched that. I never watched what was it? Despicable Me was this? Yeah, Despicable Me. The original is, is pretty good. I yeah. mean, it's it's just I don't know how to put it, but it's kind of one of those movies that is like a show off movie because you've got super super talent, just uber talent. Not only the filmmakers, but the the voice actors and stuff like that. Just it's almost like a show off movie where they do mm-hmm. everything right. It's good. And I can't believe Despicable Me is not in the top five, but the spinoff movie is, and it's so just... So what's, what's the one that's left? So I got 
Frozen, Toy Story 3, and then Zootopia. Uh, Zootopia, and then this Minion. So what's the last one? I'll give you a hint and see if you can get it. Uh, when we did the Fantasy Cinema League, it was my first pick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I uh, took it first round, number one. I'm came out this it. past year. Yeah. Huh. Finding I got Dory. Oh, okay. yeah. Jeez, yeah, okay. Yeah, it goes uh, and I didn't see Frozen, Minions, Toy Story 3. Uh, Finding Dory and Zootopia hmm. are the top five. I'm kind of surprised that Finding Dory didn't beat Toy Story 3, to tell you the truth. Uh, Toy, uh, I'm pretty sure Toy Story 3 is... I think there are only two that are certified 100% fresh on RottenTomatoes.com. Hmm. I could be wrong, but uh, Toy Story 3 may have been the first movie, not just animated movie, but I think it might have been the first movie to be certified 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. One of those Toy Story movies was. Okay. So, wow. Anyway, let's hear, hear your trivia question. Okay, mine's a little weird, but I was thinking about something today and it made me think about this, so I'm going to ask you. What do you think the the person who typed the most words per minute in the Guinness Book of World Records, within, I'd say, 25, what do you think the highest word words per minute that somebody typed is? Like the fastest typist. What words per Wait minute a second. do they do? So. And, and I'll give you like a 25, within 25, plus or minus. Oh, I see what you're saying. So. Like I was going to say, twenty-five words per minute is certainly not the record. No, no, like a range, like the words per the highest words per minute that somebody highest types. words per minute, and not shorthand or any of that bullshit. Yeah, You're saying straight up type is different. This is like yeah. straight up typing on the keyboard. Right. Uh, I'm going to guess that the person was Mavis Beacon. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not looking it up. I just got a text. Oh, okay. Still, I think you're cheating. Somebody's not, listening and texting. I got a, I got a text from my wife saying she's listening to Rockabye Baby Shake It Off. It's oh. currently midnight. It's past midnight, and she should be sleeping instead of listening to music. Texting me, that naughty girl. <sighs> okay, so I can type. I want to say sixty. I'm between forty-five and sixty words per minute. I think. Yeah. Average average is between fifty and eighty. Like I like I'm I'm where you're at. I'm right around sixty, sixty one, sixty two, something like that. Yeah. And I've always heard that that's if you can type sixty, you're considered fast. Yeah. For so I think person. I'm between forty five and sixty. I think. Okay. And I don't need to look at the keys to either to type. Right. So just saying. You know. So I want to say eighty five is fast, and to get the world record, I'd I'd say you'd have to be over a hundred. So I'm gonna say, given that I have a twenty five word buffer. I'm going to say the world record is 140 words per minute. You are way off. I'll give you another <laughs> shot. Okay. <laughs> 200. It's closer. 230. Closer. 250. Not yet. 275. Two, now you're within the 25. 290 words a minute. Wow. I can't even imagine. This guy, let's see, what's his name? Gil Heem Sandrini. I don't know where he's from. He did this online thing where they gauged his speed in 290 words a minute. That was his peak. Like he averaged like 150 to 170, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But his absolute highest peak was 290 words a minute. That's what were the words like A, C, me? No, they they talked about that. Like it's actually like full word. Like I mean, I think I think something like the would count, but it wasn't just like hitting letters or nothing like that. That's Maybe an average of five letters per word. He wasn't doing lead speak or anything like that. Speaking of the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Mm. Typing that hits every letter. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so, yeah, he did 200. <laughs> There's this guy named Mark 
King Kisling Bay, Kingslingberry, something like that, who did 360 words a minute, but he used a steno, like a stenotype special yeah, keyboard, yeah. like a core sonographer uses. Yep. Where it's like all shortcuts and stuff. Doing that, he could do like a converted, like 360 words per minute thing. Wow. But it's kind of cheating. The reason I thought about that today is because I was, remember, I was typing something up and I remember, like, where did you learn how to type? Let me ask you that. How did you learn how to type? I learned how to type. Well, I take that, there's, there are two stories here. The first story is I had a typing class in high school. Yeah. Uh, we had a typing teacher that, you know, put your fingers on the home row, J, one, two, three, four, five, you know, right, right F, right. one, two, three, four. Okay. But I didn't learn how to type then. I didn't no. learn to type until probably 2000, I, I'm going to say either 98, 99, 2000. I got into instant messengers, instant messaging programs like AOL Instant Messenger and uh, ICQ Instant Messenger. And I started chatting with people Mm -hmm. that I wanted to type my thoughts about what somebody said to me before they type something else. So basically, it was I was fighting the clock to get my thoughts messenger. And by virtue of just doing that, I taught myself how to type fast. Yep. My story is almost exactly yours, except with a bit of a nerdier costume. <laughs> okay. And like, I'm like seriously, almost exactly, because in like 98, 99, I started playing EverQuest, big online, multi, massively multiplayer fantasy game, like World of Warcraft, if you don't know what it is. And the only way to communicate originally in those games was typing. It was like immersion therapy. Yeah. Like immersion learning. Like I had to you either do it or you're gonna fall way back. Yeah. If I'm if I'm joining a group full of people, like me and my best friend were playing sitting right next to each other, so that was fine. But if we joined a group with other people, the only way to communicate was typing. And I remember distinctly one person I was in a group and he's like, Okay, what are we gonna I'm trying he's like, Man, you're the slowest typist I've ever met and he was right, I suck. Like I took a high school <laughs> class like you did, yeah. but I was a basic hunter and pecker. He's like, You're terrible at typing. Because he was kind of a dick, but he was right. And I, from that point on, I vowed I was just gonna, I was gonna get better. I was gonna force myself to get better, and I paid attention. And I actually, it was like if I was living in France, and I just like, okay, I'm gonna have to learn French, or else I'm never gonna get anything right. done. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm not 290 words immersion learning good, but that's right. a real sentence, right? Sure, why not? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap that it is- up. That has been our podcast on mid-season hiatus and the devil. Mid-season hiatus is the devil, as we have, I think, scientifically proven. Yes. And we'll be back next week with something equally as awesome. And scientific. Okay. We're about profundicating the mundane. When it comes to pop culture. Yes. So give me your your sign-off, your catchphrase. What did I say last week? This is Bob Scully signing off. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's right. You're the Scully of the group. And that's the right. Moment. I am the Scully, right? This is Bob uh, Scully signing off. Keep uh, it real, people. Well, I think we were going to do a catchphrase. No, I don't have a catchphrase. I think I said <laughs> zip it up and zip it out, but I stole that from Dave Chappelle. So, <laughs> Oh, you did? Yeah, I, I, I said flat out. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, Oak Nuggins. Dip me in your Monday milk. Yeah. What was it? Oh. We I should... wanted that to be my catchphrase. Dip me in your Monday milk. And not just for this podcast and just in life in general. <laughs> Oak Nuggins. Oak Nuggins. Uh, wait, 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 wait. This oh, something. <clears throat> this is really bugging my hips. What is it? What's the saying? Slashing me hips. <laughs> <laughs> this is really slashing me hips. This is really slashing me hips. That's going to be mine. Okay. This is really slashing me hips. All right. So 
Steve Files tells you, dip me in your Monday milk. Uh, Tom Witham says, this podcast is really slashing me hips. <laughs> and with that, we are the masses of perfection. All right. See ya. See ya.